Good morning. My name is Jonas, and I'm one of the pastors here at York Alliance. Um, Pastor Brian asked me to share a piece of my faith story related to my personal journey of discipleship. Uh, I was super excited for a couple of reasons. One, I love to share stories. And two, I love to talk about discipleship. It was especially fun to think back over my journey of discipleship because it began right here at York Alliance. Um, I was... I was introduced to Jesus and began following him at the ripe age of 18, and so the journey began. My first disciples were actually my wife, um, who was my girlfriend at the time, and her parents. It was in their home that I began to hear about and observe firsthand uh, the disciplines of prayer and Bible reading and much more. It wasn't long before I began attending York Alliance with them, and I was even baptized right here, like so many of you. Um... It was, it was in this room that I began to be discipled in worshiping through song. I'll never forget thinking how strange the music was <laughs> and an organ. I mean, you know, it was wild. And for me, it was such a different experience. But as I looked around the room, I saw real joy and hope, trust and peace on people's faces. And I knew I wanted to learn what they knew. Before long, I joined a discipleship group where we learned about disciplines or practices that were modeled for us by Jesus and his early disciples. The really impactful thing was that as we learned about the different disciplines, we began to try them out in our everyday lives. And then we would talk about them as a group to encourage and learn from one another. We learned about different ways to have a daily time with God, uh, how to read the Bible for more than just knowledge, but to actually encounter God. We practiced journaling, listening to God, Scripture memorization, fasting, taking a weekly Sabbath, accountability, encouragement, sharing our faith, and more. Sound familiar? Uh, The things I learned back then, though, made lifelong impact on me. One highlight I'll share was when we were learning about prayer. I remember our leader told us that each of us was going to be praying out loud around the circle next week. Yeah. Um, I was so scared of praying in front of others at that point that I honestly thought about skipping that week. But all that I'd been learning was so good that far, so far, and, and my curiosity and hunger for more of the Jesus life won out, so I went. And when it came time to pray, she said that we would each take turns praying at least a one-sentence prayer about something we wanted God to do in our lives. And I thought, okay, I can handle this, you know, just one sentence. Um, I remember she explained that we didn't need to be nervous about what our prayer sounded like or worry about what others thought because we were simply talking with our Father like kids gathered around him wanting to tell him uh, what was on our hearts. Our prayers were for him, and he was thrilled to hear from us. So we ran around the circle and prayed. I honestly can't remember what I prayed, and I'm sure I spoke very fast. But what I remember is that when we were done, I looked at the lady next to me, who was considerably older. She probably is like my age, let's be honest, but um, I was 18 at that point. And, uh, but, but I remember, you know, she had gray hair and I was like, wow, she's, you know, this was, and I looked at her and I said, wow, that was wild. It was my first time. And she looked over at me with a big smile and said, wasn't it great? It was my first time too. <laughs> Apparently discipleship isn't just for the young, you know, for years I was part of and led several discipleship groups and had several discipleship partners. And one important thing that I learned through these groups or partnerships is that we're always better together. When, I've other, when I have others to share life with, to encourage me, and to hold me accountable to growing in my walk through the various disciplines that Jesus modeled for us, my spiritual life thrives in ways that it just can't or doesn't when I try to do it on my own. 
Practicing spiritual disciplines is only one piece of the equation. Discipleship is not a solo sport. Christianity is not a solo sport. Discipleship implies that we are being discipled and discipling. It's meant to happen in community. Uh, Those of you who who know my story and know how things have gone over the last few years might be wondering, so with all that in mind, what happened? While there's a lot to the story, one significant piece is that I spent several years trying to do the Jesus life without having real discipleship partners. I fell trapped to the lie that I had been discipled. I knew what I needed to know. I knew how to follow Jesus. I knew how to do it on my own. What this really meant was that I was outside of the relationship of encouragement and accountability that's vital to a healthy spiritual life. I had the community of believers all around me all the time, but I wasn't engaging intentionally in an authentic relationship with the purpose of motivating one another to practice the disciplines that helped us become more like Christ. However, over the last year and a half, I have been relearning the importance and blessing of not only practicing spiritual disciplines, but also having discipleship partners. Meeting with brothers that I can pray with, confess sin and struggles to, as well as encourage each other to embrace and implement practices that help us to become more like Jesus. It's not that one of us is really the discipler. Rather, we find ourselves each discipling and being discipled depending on the practice we're discussing. It has been extremely life-giving to be back in this type of relationship. And I'm thankful to God for my discipleship partners. And I'm a much healthy follower of Jesus because of them. And I would encourage you. We offer discipleship groups and discipleship partners. Christianity is not a solo sport. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Great to be with you. My name is Brian. If we haven't met yet, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to do that at some point soon. I'm one of the pastors here at York Alliance, along with Jonas, and uh, it's great to be here with you. If you want to grab your Bibles and open to John chapter 15, John chapter 15. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew back in front of you. I'd love for you to be able to see. We're going to move around a bit today, uh, spend a bunch of time in John 15 and also in Galatians 5. And so if you want to start to find that, you are welcome to do that as well. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, uh, if you don't have a hard copy, we would love for you to take that copy home with you. We really want everybody to have a copy of the Bible. And if you don't, you do now. Take that one home with you. We would love for you to be able to read it on your own. Um, as you're finding that, let me just give you one uh, quick note to follow up on the announcements. Uh, Lindsay did a great job of kind of uh, walking you through what the connection process looks like from the welcome class into foundations into membership class. We are starting a foundations class on February 8th, and it's limited to 12 people. So if you have not yet done a foundations class, this is a great time to jump in, but I'm gonna encourage you to uh, get online and register for that because uh, once that fills, you'll have to bump to the next time around. And so uh, this one uh, is gonna be uh, filling now and it will launch on uh, February 8th. So I wanted to let you know that. Uh, You get a chance to know that before the 10.30, so you can fill it before the 10.30 and too bad for them, they lose. That's the way it goes. They didn't come early, that's that's the way it is. So um, I wanna thank Ty 
for stepping in last week and uh, providing a foundation in that Back to the Basics series that we're in. Uh, the foundation of prayer was uh, really excellent. Uh, if, you did, if you were not here last week, I want to encourage you, go back and listen to the podcast. Really, really helpful uh, foundational truths of what it means for us to be people of prayer, uh, to get rid of the hindrances and step into the highway of the presence and the power of God. Uh, foundational for who we are. Today, we're going to transition to another basic, which is the basic of discipleship. And that, that term, disciple, is one that we don't use as much anymore. We tend to use the term Christian. We talk about being Christians versus being disciples. But it's interesting, the Bible does it in just the opposite way. So uh, the word Christian, or the word that we would translate Christian, appears three times in the New Testament. And the word that we would translate disciple is over 250 times in the New Testament. Jesus talked about being a, a disciple or an apprentice, someone who followed him. We tend to emphasize this idea of knowing, of agreeing with certain doctrines and uh, joining a, a church body. But Jesus emphasized the idea of following him. That was his call, come and follow me. And we tend to see discipleship as a level of Christianity, but in reality, the, it, being a disciple is being a Christian. So we're going to start with a couple uh, definitions that will hopefully give us uh, some framework. Uh, the first one is from Dallas Willard, and I'm just going to warn you, you're going to get a lot of Willard today because Willard talks a lot about discipleship. It's some good stuff, so you need to be ready for that. So uh, here's what Willard has to say about discipleship. A disciple is a learner, a student, an apprentice a practitioner, even if only a beginner. The New Testament literature, which must be allowed to define our terms if we are ever to get our bearings in the way of with Christ, makes this clear. In that context, disciples of Jesus are people who do not just profess certain views as their own, but apply their growing understanding of life in the kingdom of the heavens to every aspect of their life on earth. So what Willard's saying is, to be a Christian is to be an apprentice of Jesus, and to be an apprentice of Jesus is one who is seeking to apply all that Jesus is saying and doing to every area of our life. One of the, the traps that we fall into is segmenting our lives so we have areas that are, um, are, are religious or uh, focused on Christ, and then areas that are secular or are not focused on Jesus. But when Jesus taught discipleship, he taught what we would call whole life transformation, that every aspect of our lives would uh, fall under the lordship of Jesus. Michael Wilkins, who is a New Testament uh, scholar, he, he says this about discipleship. Far too often we think disciple, oh, that's for an extremist. I'm just a normal Christian. We need to recognize that when Jesus spoke of disciples, he had in mind what would be the normal Christian, not the abnormal. Jesus didn't have a level for those who believed in him and those who followed him. Those who believed in him followed him. In fact, if you look historically, it wasn't until after 300 AD that there were people who called themselves Christians who weren't submitting all of their lives to the teachings of Jesus. It was well into the history of Christianity where we started to think, if I just believe and affirm something, that's enough. Jesus taught a whole life discipleship, that we would be people who would follow after him. So what do we mean when we talk about discipleship? Well, we define it as three actions that I want us to look at this morning. 
the action of being with Jesus, the action of becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the things that Jesus did. That's uh, the, the simple definition of discipleship that we've used for the last several years. So if you've been with us for a while, those aren't new to you, but I want us to look at them today, and I want us to look at them uh, starting in John chapter 15, which is maybe the clearest place that Jesus laid out all three of them. And so Liz is going to come, and she's going to read for us this teaching of Jesus that's right at the centerpiece of an extended teaching that he gave to his disciples at the end of his life. So listen as she reads John 15, 1 to 17. I am the the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Would you pray with me? Jesus, as we come to this key teaching, would you open our hearts? Would you open our hearts to hear from you? For many of us, we've heard this set of verses again and again and again. Would you help them to be new and fresh to us as we open your word today? God, show us where our discipleship is limited, where we have cut you off from areas of our life. 
And help us to be people who submit all of ourselves to you. And so God, now I do that. I submit my capacities to you and my preparation to you. And I ask that you would now do your work. That the words that come from my strength and my flesh would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But the words that come from your spirit would remain. That you would plant seeds deep in our heart. You would make our hearts fertile soil. And that they would grow up and bear much fruit. And so do this work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. And do the things that Jesus did. Not just in our church life. Not just in our, uh, our, the, the sacred aspects of our life. But in every aspect of our life. Everywhere that we are. What's that look like? Well, Jesus, when he called his disciples, called them with a very simple call. Come and follow me. Uh, he, he invited them into life on life. And so the invitation was to be with him, to come and to walk with him, to be a part of his life, to model their life after him. So you, you may say, well, that makes perfect sense then because Jesus was there, right? It's easy to follow somebody who's there walking right in front of you. But what about now? Well, Jesus, right before this passage that Liz just read, is talking to his disciples about the idea that he's going to go away. They didn't understand all the specifics, but he was talking about the idea that he would be killed, that he would rise again, and that he would ascend to the Father, and that as he went away, what he said is, it's actually better for you that I go away because I'm going to send another comforter or another counselor, depending on your translation, the Holy Spirit, to come and be with you. And what he said is, it's actually better for you to have the Holy Spirit than it is for you to have me. So the first thing I want you to hear is that foundational to discipleship is an awareness of the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. We begin with a basic understanding of, of who Jesus is and learning to, uh, to, to listen to, to be aware of the work of the Spirit in us. And that leads us then into John chapter 15. So as Jesus is teaching in John chapter 15, his command is really simple. Remain in me. Stay connected to me. Abide. Remain. Be tied in with. He's not saying we need to go and do. He's saying be with me. Learn to be with me. So the call of a believer is for us to, at every aspect of life, in every place that we are, cultivate an awareness of Jesus. So Uh, Many of us think about an awareness of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, spending time with Jesus as what evangelicals have traditionally called a quiet time. So we get up in the morning, or maybe it's late at night, or maybe it's in the middle of the day, and you pull out a Bible, and you pull out a journal, and you Instagram it, of course, you know, take take a picture and like look really hip for everybody, And, and then hopefully have time remaining to spend time with Jesus, right? After you scrolled Instagram because you got distracted and all the stuff that happens. So, so that, that quiet time, uh, that, that's what we think of as time with Jesus. But it's not just spending time with Jesus when we have out our Bible and our journal and everything's quiet. It's learning to be with Jesus right in the middle of our day as we're doing dishes, as we're working, as we're hanging out with our kids, as we're sitting in traffic on Route 30. Believe it or not, you can be with Jesus then. Like spending time with Jesus in every single aspect of life. Uh, Willard, in probably one of my top five favorite quotes of Willard, this is the way he, he talks about it. 
the first and most basic thing we can do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. Isn't that great? You could be challenged by that. But these are habits. They're not the law of gravity, and they can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the need, that should be needle, sorry, needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. So what Willard's saying is, we through an act of the will bring our minds and our attention back to Jesus, and we learn to do that again and again by directing and redirecting our minds. And as we do that, we build the habit of the presence of Jesus so that we constantly are drawn back, just like that needle of a compass is drawn back to north. We are consistently drawn back to him. So uh, the, the goal of Christianity is not to read the Bible or to pray or to learn things about the Bible or to learn to pray. Those are really great things, important things, but they're important because they lead us into the presence of Jesus. Our goal is to be with him. Our goal is to abide in Christ, to rest in him where he is. And as we're with him, we will become more like him. So I want, uh, I want to take you to a parallel passage. So uh, if you want to uh, flip to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and uh, John 15 uh, should be seen as parallel. So if you uh, write in your Bibles, it's a great margin note to write in the margin of one, the other. So you know in John 15, write in the margin Galatians 5 and Galatians 5, uh, write in the margin John 15 because they, they really should be read together. One is Paul talking about that idea of abiding in Christ and the other one is Jesus teaching his disciples about abiding in Christ. So I, I just want to read for you uh, starting in verse 16. Paul says this in Galatians 5, 16. I, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So when you hear this passage, probably a familiar one to many of you, maybe you've even memorized sections of this passage, we, we tend to come to it 
with a, a perspective. And our perspective is there's a list of things that Paul says don't do, right? You, you heard that long list in there, all those, uh, all those terrible things, right? All those things that come to our mind and we're like, mm, yeah, I should stay away from that, I should stay away from that. We, we hear Paul saying, um, d- don't enter into sexual immorality or sensuality or impurity or drunkenness or the orgies or the, like all, the, all this stuff, right? He like gives us this list of things. Don't do that. And then there's another section of do that, right? So um, the, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness stuff, like we should do that stuff. So we come to this passage and we hear Paul telling us to not do some things and to do other things. But in reality, Paul only tells us to do one thing. Walk in the Spirit. That's it. He, he doesn't say, don't do the stuff of the flesh. And he doesn't say, do the stuff of the Spirit. What he says is, keep in step with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. That's it. That, the only command, uh, the only, uh, only directive in the passage is to walk in the Spirit. And what Paul says is, as we do that, as we walk in the Spirit, the works of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit will be produced in us. And if we're not walking in the Spirit, but instead are walking in the flesh, the works of the flesh are going to be produced in us. For so many of us, we receive the gospel as an invitation into trying to do the things of the Spirit. And so what we do is we try to avoid the stuff that we're supposed to avoid because we know this stuff's bad. Don't do that stuff. Do this stuff instead. And so we, we grit our teeth and we really work at trying to do the right things, which works for a very short period of time. But it's, it, it, we have this kind of regression to the mean thing, right? Like we come back into the flesh. The flesh just kind of rears its head again. And, and we get frustrated about the cycle of I'm trying to do the things of the Spirit, but I end up falling back into the things of the flesh. And that the cycle is because Paul is not commanding us to do those things. He's not calling us to do those things. Just like Jesus wasn't calling us to do those things. Jesus said, abide in me. And if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. What's that fruit look like? Well, Paul says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. See? He, he says, all you need to do is be in me. And if you're in me, the right kind of life will be produced. One more Willard quote. We'll wrap up the uh, Willard quotes with that. This is from Spirit of the Disciplines. Willard says this, the general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition that we want to enjoy. This is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. Why? Why do we do that? Well, because we long for the life of Jesus, but we don't recognize that to get the life of Jesus, we have to live the lifestyle of Jesus. Jesus doesn't invite us to produce a certain kind of life, He invites us into a certain kind of lifestyle. 
And so the way that we become like Jesus is by spending time with him. And as we spend time with him, what we find is that our, our, our lives start to look different. So let, let me give you an illustration. Um, some of you know I uh, now and then uh, am a cyclist. I, I don't call myself a cyclist anymore because my physique does not represent a cyclist, but I do now and then still get on a bike and ride. I used to get on a bike and ride a lot, and as part of that, about 15 years ago, I was uh, able to be on a mountain in Italy watching professional cyclists in what's called the Giro d'Italia, which is kind of like the Tour de France in Italy, climb this mountain. Now, I had climbed the mountain ahead of them, and I knew that where I was watching was at the end of an eight-mile sustained climb. Now, if you've ever rode a bike, just imagine eight miles up, and for eight miles they've been going up. I'm sitting on the side of the road watching them. I know the terrain that they've been on. They're going faster eight miles into their climb than I can go on the flat. Like, how does that work? Like, I don't even understand. Like, how, drugs is the way that it works. But anyways, that's, a, that's another, that's a, anyway, I, for the sake of the illustration, uh, they, they have, they've lived a certain lifestyle, right? So um, at our old house in East York, we were on a, a path where cyclists would go by all the time, and I would go out in the morning with my coffee and relaxing, Bible, journal, chill, and I would see these cyclists, like, six o'clock in the morning, they're riding by, and I'm thinking, I just need coffee. Are you kidding me? Like, I, but see, cyclists, it, it, you, you can't just decide one morning, I'm going to do an eight-mile sustained climb up a mountain in Italy. It doesn't work that way. Like, you, you cannot generate that life. But what you can do is instead of coffee in the morning, you can get up, have some water, and get on your bike and do 40 miles. I mean, if you're crazy, right? And, and instead of having breakfast like me, bacon and eggs with, the, with a side of cheese, you know, like the good stuff, you know, they're, they're, they're having like a protein drink and some nuts, and that's, what's, that's, for, that's, that's what it means to be a cyclist, right? Like you're, you're going through this, you're living in a certain way. They're, they're lifting weights when I'm sitting on the sofa, and they're getting back on the bike again at night and doing another 20 miles when I'm like, no, I'm just tired, right? I'm done. Because I'm not, I, I want to be able to ride like that, but I don't want to take on the lifestyle that's required to ride like that. For so many of us, we want the life of Jesus, but we're not willing to take on the lifestyle that leads to the life of Jesus. Now, thankfully, it's not nearly as rigorous as being a professional cyclist, but it is all-encompassing. Being with Jesus at every moment of the day, keeping ourselves with him, practicing the presence of Jesus, walking in step with the Spirit. And as we walk in step with the Spirit, what Paul promises us in Galatians chapter 5 is that the life of the Spirit will start to come out of us. In manufacturing, they say it this way, your system is perfectly designed to produce the product that it's producing. Your system is perfectly designed to produce the product that it's producing. So, if you have a factory and it's designed to produce water bottles, at the back end, you're getting water bottles because it's designed to produce water bottles, right? It makes sense. What Paul's saying is, your life is either producing works of the Spirit or works of the flesh. You're either getting the fruit of the Spirit or you're getting the fruit of the flesh. 
And you can know as an objective evidence of the way that your life is lined up, you can know by its fruit what it's producing. If I had a factory that produced water bottles, and I got up one morning and said, I want to produce motorcycles today. I can't just, as an act of the will, say, hey guys, today we're going to produce motorcycles. Go. You have to overhaul the whole factory, right? Everything has to be changed. But how many of us, living a life in the flesh, have encountered the presence of Jesus and determined, from now on, I want the life of Jesus to come out of me? But we've never changed the lifestyle. We've never changed the system. When Jesus invites us in, he invites us not just to believe in him, but to follow him, but to, to model our life after him, which is why we enter into the spiritual disciplines, to the practices, to the community, to teaching, to putting ourselves into his presence on a regular basis, practicing the presence of Jesus. So what happens when we do that? Well, Paul says that uh, what's produced in us is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the stuff of Jesus, the things that Jesus did. Um, when we abide in Jesus, the works of the flesh start to slowly disappear, and the works of the Spirit begin to be produced. Not, it's not instantaneous, and it's not perfect, but it is progressive. As an objective evidence of salvation, you can look back at your life and you can say, I see the work that Jesus is doing. Not because I'm perfect, not because I've got it all figured out, but because I can see the work over a period of time that now there's more fruit of the Spirit. I'm more patient than I used to be. I'm more in self-control than I used to be. I have more joy than I used to have. I, th those things have emerged over time. And the works of the flesh have started to go away. Not perfectly, not all the time, but they've started to be minimized and the works of the Spirit have started to move forward. We begin to do the things that Jesus did and that's the last step of discipleship. That we not, we're not just with him and becoming like him, but we're doing the things that he did in the world around us. Jesus said to his disciples in that same passage right before John 15, in uh, the beginning of John 14, verse 12, he said that you and I would do greater things than he did. No pressure. <laughs> but he said, when you go out from here, you should be doing greater things than he did when he walked around on the earth. That what's coming out of your life would be even greater than what came out of his life. The definition of a Christian, a disciple, is that we would be doing Jesus stuff in the world around us. Now that sounds scary and overwhelming, that we would be his hands and feet, we'd be doing his, his stuff. But, but honestly, it, can, it starts really simply. You know what Jesus did? He spent time with people and loved them. He prayed for people. And he prayed himself. He put himself intentionally before the Father. He ate meals with people who were far from God. And he ate meals with people who were following God. He, he put himself with them. He saw needs, and where he could meet them, he did. He was aware of what was happening in the world around him, and he proclaimed truth into it. He just told people the way that reality worked. And for us, we're invited to do the same thing, to be people who allow Jesus in his spirit to flow through us. 
If we get a hold of the idea of discipleship, that we are to be with Jesus, we're to become like him, and we're to do the things that he did, boredom is forever erased from the life of a Christian. We, we, we don't have to scroll Instagram anymore. We don't have to be people who are just passing time because we're invited in to the ongoing work of the kingdom that he's invited us into. We talked a couple weeks ago about the idea that Jesus is reconciling all things back to himself, which means that when we go out into the world, you can know with certainty that Jesus is at work in the world around you. And so all we're doing is joining him in the work that he's doing. We're stepping into that work. And so we need to be with him. And that will, that, that's a process that begins and needs to unfold over a period of time. I will not wake up tomorrow and be a world-class cyclist. That's not news to any of you. But it's, it's just not going to happen overnight. But here's the thing. If I change my lifestyle, which is still a question, I'm not sure about that. But if I change my lifestyle, I'm the kind of person who's capable of being a, at least a decent cyclist. Maybe not world-class. But I can, I can start to change the way that I do things in order to become that kind of person. The illustration I've used before, I'll use again, is um, if I would, wanted to go run a marathon right now, there's zero chance I could do it. I'd get three, four, five miles in and just like collapse and die on the side of the road. Like that'd be it. I'd be done. Like I just, I, I don't have it in me right now to do that. But if I start right now and a little bit at a time, I walk three or four miles and I jog a little bit and walk a little bit and I add a little bit in and I extend those out and over the course of weeks and months I layer on top one after another. I'm the kind of person for whom running a marathon is possible. And what Jesus taught us is that you and I, with the power of the Holy Spirit, are the kinds of people for whom being like Jesus is possible. It's not going to be perfect but we're the kinds of people that can do Jesus stuff in the world around us. For too many of us, our bar is just set too low. And when we try, we try to produce life without entering into lifestyle. And so I want to invite you in to, as a reminder uh, that we've talked about lots of times, the lifestyle of Jesus, a way of living that produces the fruit of the Spirit. The worship team is going to come and they're going to lead us in a time of response. Uh, and as they do, I just want to uh, give us a minute to just be in the presence of Jesus. Um, we said the first step of discipleship is just simply being with him. And so would you just kind of push all of your stuff over to the side if you've been uh, taking notes or have a Bible or whatever, just kind of move that over to the side and um, just create some space. And as we do that, we're just going to intentionally, I'm just going to walk you through a very simple meditation of being in the presence of Jesus, of resting in him. So if you just want to close your eyes, maybe open your hands, uh, just in a posture of receiving, take a deep breath and just whew, center yourself in his presence. So Holy Spirit, would you meet us just as you have been present in our gathering from the beginning? 
would you meet us in a clear and even manifest way right now? And all the things that have been said, would you help us to receive what you have for us? There's many people in this room, there are that many different ways that you're speaking. And so God, would you, by your spirit, speak your truth into our hearts? Help us to hear from you. Just take a minute in the silence and ask the spirit what he's saying to you. Jesus, for some of us, this is a different way of looking at being your follower. And so for those for whom this is new, would you just give us the grace to be able to receive and enter into the truth that you're calling us to not just believe, but to live in a different way in your presence, encountering you, changed by you. Some of us, there's been just a treadmill where we've been trying and trying and trying and failing and trying and failing. God, would you give us the grace to step off of the treadmill and to enter into the lifestyle that you have modeled for us and invited us into by the power of the Spirit that we would be people who are spending time with you. You're changing us and in us producing fruit. And for some of us, those are really simple things. Would you give us the grace to press into those things? And my sense is for at least a few of us in here, there are um, intentional willful holdouts where we've said this area of our life is um, it's too important to us we're holding on to it we know it doesn't line up with you we know it's a part of the flesh but we want it and so god would you give us the grace to release to recognize that it's only in our surrender to you that we're able to be formed completely into your image that you desire to be lord of all and that you are good and kind, and that when you invite us in, you care for us. And so Jesus, would you meet us by the power of your spirit and help us to be people who enter into apprenticeship with you, who intentionally follow after you. Pray this in Jesus' name.